I have been praying for something for an entire year that God has not answered. It actually started last summer, and uh, it was my two-year-old daughter, Eden, and she started complaining that her eye hurt, that it was sore, but she's two. And so, you know, I'm thinking between chlorine and sunscreen and sand and bugs flying around and three siblings, I mean, there just wasn't a lot that I thought I could do. I just thought, you know, it'll get better, it'll be fine. Well, it, it persisted, and so I took her to the pediatrician, who then referred us to an eye doctor, who looked at her eye and said, yeah, she's got cataracts. And I said, what? I mean, she's two. Cataracts aren't for a two-year-old. I mean, two-year-olds are all about tantrums, toilet training, spaghetti between the toes. I mean, that is what two-year-olds are about. But cataracts? I don't, I don't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And not only did he say that she had cataracts in her right eye, but he thought that they were congenital, which means that they were from birth, and that was pretty serious, and that she needed to have surgery within a month. And we're like, within a month? What are you talking about? And he said, well, yeah, you know, when they're congenital, we don't know how long the brain has been disconnected from her optical nerve, and so we need to get on this right away so that we have a chance of reconnecting her optical nerve with her brain. And so last October, um, she went and she had surgery. And um, great surgeons, um, Stein's Institute, it was amazing. But for any of you who have ever had a child, a small child with a medical crisis, you know how intense the emotion of that day is. I mean, we were just exhausted emotionally, physically, and I still to this day don't know why they only give drugs to the patient. You know, the patient gets all the good drugs. What about the parents? We need them, Right. Well, she got out of surgery, and after the anesthesia wore off and, you know, she was recovering, all she wanted was a big donut. And we're like, darling, you can have cupcakes, you can have cake, you can have a donut, whatever you want. We'll get you a pony and put it in the garage. We'll sell daddy's car to make room for that pony in the garage, whatever you want. Well, there has been a lot of insurance battles, a lot of exams, a lot of doctor's appointments. We put a lot of miles on our, our minivan, driving back and forth for her apartments, a whole lot of eye therapy. And here is what we have learned when you have a child in a medical crisis. Bribes are a good thing. In fact, we've taken out stock in M&Ms to bribe her to do all of her eye treatment. She is so sick of M&Ms, she just leaves them on the countertop and doesn't even eat them anymore, which her three older siblings are like, yes, score! They can swing by and snag those M&Ms. It has been a whole year of prayers. My prayers, my husband's prayers, my family's prayers, my friend's prayers, so many of your prayers for my daughter, Eden. In fact, she's involved with a small group here at our church. It is a small group for two-year-olds. Um, last year, it was her, her adventure club, Awana Group Puggles, and um, they decided before her eye surgery to rally around her, lay hands on her, and pray for her. How beautiful is this? Two-year-olds laying hands on my daughter, and 
um, my friend Nicole sent me, she texted me this picture, I wasn't there, and I was just so overwhelmed by um, this moment, this movement of, of kindness and blessing from our church family. In fact, you have in your program this morning a, a card that says, what's your story? And this is part of Eden's story, part of our family story, but I'm wondering if there has been a ministry here at the church that has impacted your life, and we would love to hear your story. How has a ministry of Purpose Church really been significant in your walk with Jesus? We'd love for you to write that down, and you can drop it in one of the offering boxes out in the lobby, or you can go online to purposechurch.com stories and tell us your story. We would really love um, to hear how God has been working through the ministries at our church. Well, so the question became, how could so many people be praying for my daughter And we just did not have much movement in her eye. Every appointment we went to after her surgery, we still got the same response. She was still legally blind in that eye. She could not see. So last spring, we went, I went down with her for an appointment and it was um, a particularly difficult appointment for me because I was so sure that God was going to show up. I was so sure that he was going to answer our prayer and she was going to have some eye movement and we were going to have some a healing there. And after the doctors assessed her and looked at her, he said, no, there's been no progress. She's still legally blind in that eye. In fact, we need to increase her therapy. Instead of two hours of patching her good seeing eye a day, we're going to up it to six hours that you need to patch her good seeing eye to force her bad eye to be able to work. Now, she was three now. I'm like, are you kidding me? She is three, and you want me to patch her for half of her waking hours? Three-year-olds should work for the FBI. I mean, they have so many questions that they ask, right? Mommy, is the sky blue? Mommy, is the, why are the birds blue? Mommy, how come I'm not blue? I mean, questions all the time. They are incredibly, fiercely independent, right? I want to do it. I can do it. Let me do it my way. And they are wicked fast with a Sharpie marker when you're not watching them. I mean, these are the three-year-olds, right? They are awesome. And every appointment, I expected God to show up and answer my prayer. And appointment after appointment after appointment, we kept getting the news. I'm sorry, she's still legally blind in that eye. She hadn't approved, improved. And after that appointment, I got to tell you, I was kind of mad. I was mad that God wasn't showing up. I was so hurt and so broken. I texted my family, and with tears in my eyes, I said, there's been no progress. Eden still um, is not getting better in that eye. And my sister texted me back, and she said, Lisa, this is not the end of Eden's story. We will keep praying. And I thought, well, good for you, because I'm not sure that I can keep praying. I'm glad somebody can, but I am really frustrated with God right now. I'm not sure I can keep praying for this. Why isn't God answering our prayers? Am I doing something wrong? Is there sin in my life that I don't know about that's blocking this? Is there, um, are my motives impure? Am I not using the right words? What is wrong? God, why are you not answering my prayers? How about you? Have you ever prayed for something with all your heart over and over and God has not answered that prayer? God, we need you in our marriage, in this relationship. Why aren't you showing up to help us? God, I need you to show up to bring my kids, bring my grandkids back to you. 
Jesus, we, I need you to help me in communication with my parents. Things are just not going well here. God, I need you with this financial crisis I'm having. God, I need you to show up for this job. Lord, do you see what's happening in our world? There is so much crisis and terror, another shooting. Lord, there's more floods and more hurricanes and more fires. God, we need you to show up. Do you hear my prayer that I'm lonely? Why can't you send someone to help? I was just recently at the beach with a good friend of mine, and we were just having some downtime, enjoying the beauty of the ocean, hearing the pounding surf, just sitting there with our sand in the toes. And she leaned over kind of quietly next to me and just kind of dropped this. She said, have you ever begged God for something? Do you think it's okay to beg God for something? I thought, no, are you kidding? The God of the universe, the God who is answering to billions of people to beg God for something? Why would he answer that? Is it okay to beg God for something? No, not unless you're desperate that you are sending out an SOS to God. Save our situation. Save our souls. Save me. Yeah, I think it's okay to beg God for something. In fact, I'm begging God for things right now. I'm begging God for something for each of my kids. I'm begging God for something in my marriage, for something in my work, something in my world. Yeah, I think it's okay to beg God because begging God means that I can't do it on my own. I need someone out there bigger than me to show up and move a mountain because I can't do that for some of these situations in my life. Well, here's the good news. If you've ever also begged God for something, that you and I are not alone, that people all through history, people all through the Bible would ask God, they would beg God, they would pray to God and ask God to do something in their lives. They would ask God even to change his mind about a situation. Do you think God changes his mind when we pray? Well, before we get to that question, let's look at a couple of things. First, it's important for us to always remember and hold on to the fact that God's character is completely unchanging. God's character never changed. Malachi 3.6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. God's character never changes. And this is a really helpful and good and important thing in our lives. This means that we can rely on the character of God to be consistently one that pursues justice and compassion, that he is a God of love and a God of mercy, a God of hope and a God of strength, that our God is brilliant and our God is holy, that he is light and he is hope, that he is truth and he is peace, that is the character of God that never changes and remains consistent. That means that we can hold on to that no matter what is happening in our lives. Now, we know a lot about who our God is, but we don't always know the mind of God. Let's look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Now, sometimes God, he does not change his mind. Numbers 23.19 says... God is not a human that he should lie and not a human being that he should change his mind. 
right? God is different from us because we are human beings and we change our mind all the time, right? We change our mind about what we want to eat, what we want to wear, where we want to go, what we want to do. I mean, we change our mind all the time. My plan was to work on the paperwork on my desk and pay bills, but I changed my mind and ate Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey and watched Netflix instead, right? Yeah, um, my plan was to spend 30 minutes praying and reading my Bible before I went to sleep, but I snuggled up under those warm, cozy covers, and all of a sudden, I changed my mind, and the alarm went off, and I changed my mind. Um, my plan was that I was going to talk to my family with patience and kindness, and instead, the ugly scorpion dragon reared its head. My plan was to go to the gym, but... I'll stop right there, right? I don't want you guys throwing things at me at this point. So humans are complicated, right? God made us that way, and God understands that. I mean, we've got a lot going on. Emotions versus thought. Logic versus passion. Good versus evil. Pros versus cons. I mean, we're weighing a lot of things as we kind of work through our flesh and our spirit. I mean, basically, we're a hot mess, right? I mean, that's just the reality of who we are as we try and navigate this world through complex feelings and emotions and thoughts, So this reality of having a God who does not change is really helpful to humanity. And it's helpful to me. I mean, is that helpful to you? It's a good thing that God's character never changes. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a good thing that God's character doesn't change. But that doesn't mean that he won't ever change his mind. Exodus 32, 14 says this. Then the Lord relented, and he did not bring on the people the disaster that he had threatened. He changed his mind. He did not do something that he was planning on doing. But why? Why would God change his mind? Because Moses prayed. A tiny little speck of dust of a human on a tiny little speck of a dust of a planet in all of the universe called on the creator God to change the destiny of a nation. And he did. He did. God listened, he heard, and he changed his mind. Someone prayed. Someone begged God. Someone set out an SOS. And that's exactly how we see in Scripture. When God responded to situations, he did that based on a person of faith crying out to God. Now, there's a, a list of Scripture references in your program today. So for those of you who are like, I need extra credit, here's your chance, all right? You can look up all of those verses that talk about places where God has changed his mind to get a sense for what we're talking about. Now, in both the Old and the New Testaments, God responded to the prayers of the people in mighty ways. I mean, he would give them military victories in complete situations that were against the odds. He would provide water in times of drought. He would provide food in times of famine. He would set slaves free. He would release those from demonic oppression. He would heal the sick, and he would raise the dead. God was active and working and responding to the prayers of the people. Now, we change 
because we are inconsistent. But when God changes, it is always because he is being consistent with his will and with his character. Okay, we're going to look at a really important verse here. And so I want you to pay attention to two words in particular. The first word is if. Say if. The second word is then. Say then. Okay, let's take a look. Okay, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we have an if God's people do this, then God will respond in this way. So how do we get God not only to listen to our prayers, but respond to them as well? How do we get God to change his mind? Let's look at this verse in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and God's ears are what? Attentive. They are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So God has attentive ears to the righteous. Attentive means that we are listening with um, an expectation of responding, right? A good business person is always attentive to the best idea in the room. A salesperson is always attentive to the best tactic that's going to get a sale. A judge is always attentive to listening for the law to be followed. A mom is always listening for her baby's every sound in the middle of the night so that she can kick her husband and get him up to respond to the baby, right? Okay, you guys know how it works. So attentive means that um, we are interested with, the, uh, with uh, what ha someone has to say because we want to respond to them. You are motivated to listen and take action. So Peter says that God is attentive to those who are righteous. So this is the Bible's way of talking about a righteous is a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. That's basically what righteousness means, that that's who God is attentive to, those who are pursuing to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. So if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're watching online today and you have not made that decision to follow Jesus, then you're kind of off the hook. I mean, you kind of don't need to kind of buy into this idea because Scripture really talks about this idea that it is some work to pursue righteousness, that we have to work on this relation of, of having a right relationship with God and working out right relationships with others. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, then, you know, you probably don't even need to kind of buy into this idea unless you feel like you need God to show up in your life in a way that no one else is showing up for you. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are called to be a people of prayer. Like over and over, we are called to make sure that we are living lives where we are a person of prayer. Let's look at this verse in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So just take a deep breath right now. <sighs> do not 
be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, Jesus himself spent a lot of time in prayer. And actually, one time when he was praying, his, his kind of leadership team, his, the disciples were around him, and they, they asked actually a pretty good question. They, they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? How should we pray? And Jesus said, yeah, here's how you should pray. And he taught them something that we call the Lord's Prayer. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, even as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And after Jesus taught them that prayer, he told them a story. So I want you to listen to the story that Jesus told to the disciples. Let's listen. What would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. An old friend traveling through just showed up and I don't have a thing on hand. The friend answers from his bed, don't bother me, the door's locked. My children are all down for the night. I can't get up to give you anything. But let me tell you, even if you won't get up because he's a friend, if you stand your ground, knocking and waking all the neighbors, he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. Here's what I'm saying. Ask, and you'll get. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. So Jesus tells them this story about a knocking neighbor who was really persistent in their knocking. Right? Knocking is one of those things that you have to respond to. Can you think of some other sounds that you, like, have to respond to? Something that's persistent? Anybody got any ideas out there? Your phone, a baby crying, microwave beeping, your alarm clock going off, (coughs) a persistent cough, right? There's all kinds of sounds that we have to respond to. Now, I've got four kids, and when one of my kids was really little, he was about two years old, he just had this, like, freak response to flies, just flies buzzing around in the house, like full on terror. He would cry. He would scream. He would, I mean, it freaked him out. So one day I was home with him and we had some like crazy freak fly outbreak in our house. I do not know what was going on. And he was just losing it. He was so terrified. And so, you know, any good mama has to become ninja fly swatter, right? So I'm not kidding you. Within, tw- within two hours, I had like hunted down and, you know, taken care of 23 flies. I mean, it was craziness. And so anytime we heard that sound, bzz, 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 I was motivated into action. I would respond to that persistent sound. So we have all kinds of those persistent sounds. And Jesus uses this illustration to remind us that a persistent prayer is one that God hears. He also says a few different things about how we're to pray. He says that we, Jesus says that we are to use his name when we pray. We are to ask in Jesus' name. Uh, John 14, 13 through 14 says this, and I, Jesus, will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He also says we need to believe and have faith. This says in Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, 
you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, at first glance, if we just look at these verses, we're like, yes, this is great. This is the secret to prayer. All I need to do is ask for it in Jesus' name. And I've got Jesus as my genie in the sky. This is going to be amazing, right? And so um, you start just thinking, I'll just ask for anything I want. And really, if you got everything you wanted from God, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you be like, this rocks, yes, everything you ask for. But that makes Jesus your genie in the sky. And God is not a genie. He loves you and I too much to always say yes. In fact, that's why he says no sometimes, because saying no is what makes you grow. Saying no is what makes you grow. And the stories in scripture that have God changing his mind about a situation are always consistent with God's unchanging character and very consistent with his will. And he responds to persistent prayers of a faithful follower of God. So what that means is consistence in our living and persistence in our prayer. So that means we need to figure out ways to live consistent and pray persistent. Live consistent and pray persistent. This is what God is looking for. Lives that are consistent. That means in how we talk and how we think and how we act as a follower of Jesus. And that we pray persistently. We live consistent and we pray persistent. So how do we become a person of persistent prayer? How do we get heaven to actually respond to us? Well, first, you have to be a person of prayer. You got to say your prayers. You got to write your prayers. You got to sing your prayers, whatever you need to do. But you've got to be a person of prayer because God is listening. God wants to respond. Is it easier for you to trust God with your whole eternity than it is for you to trust God with your today? That is why we need to pray. Live consistent, pray persistent every day. Now, Jim Rohn said, motivation is what gets you started, but habit is what keeps you going. So here's some ideas. You've got them listed in your program. If you just kind of need a jump start on your prayer life, set your alarm and get up and pray. If you fall asleep when you pray, write your prayers down and don't pray in bed. Pray with another person. Join a prayer group. Start a prayer group. Go for a prayer walk. Pray online. Start a Facebook prayer group. Read a book about prayer. I've got a couple of really good ones listed there for you, fervent and prayer. Pray a scripture. A really cool way to do this is open up your Bible to the book of Psalms and pray through the Psalms. It's a really powerful way to pray. Turn off your radio on your way to work. Turn off your music and pray on your commute. Use your commute time to talk to God. Pray at the same time every day. Sometimes that can get us into a habit of making sure prayer is a part of our life on a regular basis. Maybe try praying the Lord's Prayer every day. I've recently had some conversations with people who have said that has transformed their prayer life by praying the Lord's Prayer every day. 
Live consistent and pray persistent. You know, and if you're someone who's just like, I don't even know how to pray, there's three words there in your program that might be really helpful to you. It's rejoice, repent, and request. And these three words can kind of give you a guide, a way to pray that's really basic but really powerful. You can actually use these three words through any scripture just about. You can look at that scripture and take these three words. Find a way to rejoice for who God is. Thank you, God, for this. We praise you, God, for this. God, you are amazing because of this. And then you repent. You say, God, I am not living up to this. I am so sorry. God, would you oh, just forgive me for the ways I've messed up in this area? And then request, God, help me. Would you help me to, show, to do things differently? Would you help change my heart and my mind and my attitude? So we rejoice, we repent, and request. You can do this with almost any idea, any um, thought that you have, or through any scripture that you read. So why do you think it is that God loves to respond to persistent prayer? You know, this knocking is a process that helps to refine our hearts. It really helps us to get to the heart of the issue that we are talking to God about. Sometimes it even changes how we pray. So as we work to stay consistent, to live consistent, to pray persistently, God also gives us some ideas in Scripture that we really need to focus on and, and think through in order to be effective in our prayer life. Here, here they're listed in your program as well. Our prayers must be grounded in faith in God. We must ask in Jesus' name. We must ask with the right motives. We must be persistent in our dependence on God. We must keep his commandments and obey him. And our prayers must be in accordance with his will. Now, my daughter's... Eden's story is still being written. Uh, I had a, an appointment a couple of weeks ago for her fall checkup appointment, and um, it, was a, it was an early morning appointment, and my daughter was really not wanting to cooperate. She had a whole team of doctors doing tests and assessments, and she just was not real excited about this whole process. So it was a long two hours, and at the end of the appointment, the doctor looked at me and said, her eye is getting better. She's not legally blind in her eye anymore. And I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we still have a long ways to go, but we are going to be persistent in asking God to show up and to bring healing to her eye. So take heart, people. God is hearing your prayers. Being a person of persistent prayer does not always mean that you will get what you want and when you want it. But being a person of persistent prayer promises you something better. It means that as you continue into that process of praying and seeking God's will, that he will refine your heart and give you something even deeper that is closer to your heart's desire. Can you change God's mind with your prayers? Yeah. You can change God's mind. But can you imagine what God wants to do in your life if you live consistently and you pray persistently today and tomorrow, all week long, all month long? In fact, to the end of the year, if you live consistently and you pray persistently to an almighty God who is living and powerful and active and attentive to your prayers. He wants to and he can show up in your life.
Jesus, we thank you that you are a mighty God who is able and willing and desires to show up in our lives. I thank you that you honor lives that live consistently seeking to follow you and obey you, and that you honor persistent prayers of the faithful and righteous. So God, we invite you to continue to show up in our lives, to show up where we need you to show up. Thank you for being a God that lets us reach out to you, to beg you, to send up an SOS and and cling to you when we need you to move a mountain on our behalf. Thank you, God, for that power. We love you, and we exalt your holy and mighty name this morning. Amen.